Awesome. Good morning, everybody. Praise God. Good to be here this morning. Love it, love it, love the sweetness of the worship. Watching you all worship God is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I am Pastor Michael, lead pastor here at Summit. Uh, hey, I need your help in a couple of areas. Uh, first area is um, it's kind of stuffy in here, and if I could just get one person to go up to that door up there, there's a rock outside. If you'd prop that door open, there's a doorstop over there. If somebody would prop that door open, somebody's already moving to do it. So get, thank these people who have moved and done that. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. And, 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 man, glory to God for this body. Thank you for what you're doing. I am just humbled, humbled, humbled by this body. There's, there's been at least four cases this year where uh, significant surgeries have happened where I have not been aware that they are happening. And when I have apologized for not knowing, in each case, people have told me, you don't have to worry about it. My life group is watching out for me. Isn't that awesome? That is the body of Christ. Yeah, give thanks to God for the body of Christ. Yeah, so there are um, three things pressing on me this morning that I would just ask you to pray about. And Gail, why don't you guys come up here, here and I want you to hear them in just a moment. But first, uh, this is three things pressing on my mind. Uh, number one, pray for revival and pray that when God's spirit moves, we won't miss it because we're so, so caught up in what we're doing. <laughs> would you agree and pray about that? Just a move of God's spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, the second thing is uh, we just have a shortage of kids space and, and we need kids space. And, and God has an answer. I don't have an answer. Uh, you know, what's God saying about a future place for Summit? Would you just Pray for a place and what God's saying. That's cool. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the third thing, you know, just a moment ago, I asked just people to open the doors. Doesn't that feel better to get that breeze come through? Yeah. Just the way people serve around here. Um, Recently, my neighbors told me that we are blessed in that we have a large capacity of summit who serve in the body. They said it's an unusual number of people. I want to give glory to God for that. Does anybody else want to give glory to God? (laughs) Yeah, it's awesome. Now, now in that, our our crews that come in and set up in the morning uh, and then tear down afterwards are, are beginning to feel a little bit of pressure and saying, help, we need more help. And I think some of us are afraid to respond to that because we think it's highly technical. And, and yes, there are technical aspects, but most of it is relatively simple. Would anybody on those crews say it is simple? <laughs> okay, that was convincing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I see one over here saying, yes, yes, yes. I wish I could shout for everybody. It is simple. Thank you for that. And uh, would you just, I'm not asking you, you know, a lot of churches are pleading for money to pay for their building. And I'm just saying, would you just pray for people to help with set up and tear down. Okay, that's a whole lot. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Now, this is really cool because uh, Gail's really been seeking God and, in many ways. And so uh, she's getting ready. And it's Linda? Sharon. Sharon. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> I'll just beat myself up all day. Sharon, great to have you today. Sharon's a missionary, full-time missionary, who is stationed here. And her heart is for the 1040 window. The 1040 window uh, is the most unreached population group in the world. We're talking about the East, the Middle East, okay? We're talking about the place where Christians are being killed faster than anywhere in history. 
Yeah, and this is her heartbeat, and this is where she's going. So these two are leaving this week to head to northern Africa, uh, right up there in the heart of Muslim country. And so I, I just want you to be aware and to be praying, but I just want to give them a moment to share anything that they need to in that. So Gail, thank you for your thank heart. Thank you yep. for this opportunity. I have had a desire for a long time to, to, to spend time with Sharon, so this is really exciting. Um, and we are headed to an orphanage in um, uh, Chingola, uh, Zambia. And it is an orphanage that has 35 children, but they feed and, and take care of many others that come onto the property. We are going to be, one of Sharon's ministries is to, she goes into these countries and teaches women and men um, how to quilt. And then she storytells and has had just tremendous opportunity to share about Jesus. She does not carry Bibles into the countries. The Zambia, Zambia is more open, so we will be taking Bibles in. There's been some there. Uh, but we're uh, going to be um, going and teaching children how to sew. And um, they have, they were given, um, and you'll probably read it in the insert, they were given 27 sewing machines last August. And at wow. the end of July, yeah. Yeah. Um, 20 of them were stolen. Wow. And so um, since then, many are, are taking uh, machines over. We're going to buy some when we get over there. But our desire is to teach them to get their skills up high enough where we can teach them to make something and hopefully bring it back and then sell it for them. And that will give them uh, opportunity to earn money for their education, which is a huge um, portion of what their needs are. The other part is that I... Um, the desire that the Lord's put on my heart is to teach the children to have an intimate relationship with the Lord, a loving, deep relationship, because that's what's going to hold them no matter what they face in life. So that's, um, he's given me lots of fun ideas, and, and so there's also, there's five of us going. Uh, one of the gals is an um, extension agent from, is it Dallas? Um, and she will be teaching the sewing classes, and so I'll be helping hopefully both Sharon and, and uh, Lindy with those, and then doing the other teaching as well. Love you. Can Love you. Anything? Yeah, right. thank you, Sharon, so much for your heart. Uh, so three ways that, that you can be involved. One, pray, pray, pray. Um, can you guys be available at the missions table after service uh, and just if, if people want to know specifics? Okay. Secondly, I don't know what the financial need is, but there's always the possibility of giving. You can talk to them about that if God's pushing that up, putting that on your hearts. I, I think their needs met, but there's always aspects, I imagine. Then the other one is go. And you can talk to them, uh, particularly Sharon, about what that might mean in their case. Now, I can say we are going to be sending two teams to Guatemala. Uh, we need to show you the pictures of this medical center that we funded that's being built over there. It's looking pretty amazing. We'll do that soon. But uh, you can always talk to... Um, to uh, God, my brain. Uh, Cheryl <laughs> and Ron. At the, there she is. But she'll always be at the missions table uh, to, to answer any questions. What's your name again? <laughs> She's the director of our missions leadership team and, and so much. So uh, I want to pray for this trip. Would, would you just extend a hand out? I, I don't want to block anybody that feels the need to come up here. But, uh, but otherwise, reach out a hand and uh, let's just agree. Uh, it's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we do uh, declare your anointing on these two and this team that's being sent. 
We look to you, O oh Lord. We look to you. And we call down your blessings and anointing from the top of their heads to the bottom of their feet. Go with them, go before them, go behind them, around them. I pray, we pray that the word would go forth with the authority from which it's intended as you allow doors to open to speak truth. Yeah. Break down lies, break down barriers, and allow people to call in the name of the Lord and be saved. And let their service be beautiful. We thank you for your protection, your provision, your wisdom. And uh, we send them together with us. And please remind us as they're gone uh, to pray and to not leave them alone. But in the sense of us and our support, we know you're with them. So thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. We push back the strongholds of the enemy. Let light permeate and your glory be seen. Let people call on your name and be saved. Thank you, Jesus. All glory to you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Isn't that cool? You know, I have four primary prayers that I'm praying right now. Uh, I'll just be really honest with you. One is um, that I'm just a child, and honestly, I don't know whether I'm going in or going out. I'm, I'm really glad God has the big picture of things. So I'm just asking him, Lord, give me and our leadership what we need to lead this beautiful body that he's entrusted to us. Yeah. The second one is um, that the word would break forth, that highways, avenues of the gospel would open up so that the word could go forth with the power that's intended. And you heard that for sure in the prayer along with the wisdom prayer. The third one is uh, for unity and for oneness. And man, the more I pray that prayer, the more desperate I am to realize uh, that unless God's doing it, it's not going to happen. Uh, it's fascinating to me. I love the Lord's Prayer. I pray it much. Uh, when I get to that part of give us this day our daily bread, I just have to always say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, <laughs> God, you're amazing. When it comes to the uh, unity part, I have to say, oh, I'm desperate, Lord. How do we get there except by you? And then the fourth prayer uh, is, is always that we would be a sending place. Lord, you are the Lord of the harvest. Send forth workers. And that's another one of those, Cheryl, that I just uh, am so grateful for because I'm amazed at the people this church has sent that God has used. I mean, God's sending them, but we get to be a part of it. So it's really terrific, really terrific. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, so today we want to talk about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ still the same. Okay, so last week, praise God for his faithfulness in the word. And uh, boy, what a special week that was. Uh, a week of great dependence, but the Lord was faithful. And so we looked at this promise. We are in Hebrews 13. We looked at this promise in verse 5 where God says this amazing promise. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I just want you to park right there in that sweet spot for a short time. God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Let that breathe life into you. I mean, don't you feel alone at times? Don't you feel forsaken at times? Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Hear what God is saying. I'm with you. That's not going to change. 
I'm blessing you. I'm pouring out grace to you. That's not going to change. I accept you just where you are. It's a glorious, glorious word. Well, today we come to another one of those amazing promises. It's in verse 8 where we read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, this is a key verse in theology when we talk about the character and the attributes of God because God is immutable. He doesn't mutate. He doesn't change. He's constant in who he is. And and in a world where everything is changing and there's not much stability to stand on, we need to know he doesn't change. He doesn't change. It's part of his eternal nature. He's constant. Now someone says, well, hold on a minute. He became flesh. Yeah, but it didn't change who he is. It was just a special assignment where he took on unique form, right? For our sakes. So it's a glorious verse here. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Could we read that together? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, the interesting thing here is that it's actually a a transitional verse. And if you remember last week, we we simply read verse 7, and I said we were going to come back to it. It builds off verse 7, where the Bible says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then the transition, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what this verse is doing is saying, look at your spiritual leaders, recognize God's hand of blessing on their lives in order that you might walk and experience that same blessing. Embrace the reality that the same Jesus who blesses them and has blessed them always will, always has, always will bless anyone who comes to him in faith. And and right there, I just had to stop and I had to pause and and think about those people who have influenced my life and, and to remember, yeah, I saw blessing in their life. I was attracted to it. Whatever it was they had, I I wanted that at work in my life. So don't forget, that same blessing is is always there. Jesus Christ is still the same. What he was for them, whoever you've put in that blank, he will be for you. And just as he blesses others, make sure you're experiencing and walking in that same level of of blessing. Don't separate yourself from that that blessing. It's fascinating to me. Um, there was a person here in church a while back with a prophetic gift who, during our worship, just wanted me to know that he sensed that somehow the body was separating themselves from what we're singing about. And we don't want to do that. We want who we're becoming to be engaged in what we're singing about, right? So that we're not pushing the blessing off but we're embracing the blessing because of, of who God is. And it's just a, a special, special word. But this whole idea builds off a greater theme that we've been seeing as we've been studying Hebrews the last few weeks. When it comes to faith, when it comes to faith and our potential of living life to the fullest, we must make sure that we are remaining constant in making sure that we are coming to the right mountain. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago. Make sure 
We're coming to the mountain of joy and not to the mountain of sorrow. Man, the, the saints way back in my life when I was a new believer telling me, don't let anybody steal your joy. It's like, I won't, I won't. But I didn't realize, man, it's a very real thing. Holding on to joy. Keep coming to the mountain of joy. Come to the mountain of grace, not to the mountain of law and performance. Because <laughs> that mountain of law and performance will rob you of, of joy. Yeah. Have you ever been on a road trip uh, where you wound up in the wrong place? When I was a young man, uh, I was invited to a, a girl's house in Phoenix. I lived in Tucson. I was invited to Phoenix for dinner. She wanted to meet her parents. Um, I, I had no idea that the, of, of the way Phoenix was laid out. In Phoenix, all the avenues are on the west side of town, and, and all the streets are, are on the east side of town. Yeah. We didn't have computers we didn't have gps we didn't have cell phones so i do the best i can to plan out my route how am i going to get to this gal's house and uh you know it's 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 rush hour I, it's after work it's a friday night i'm tired I, I don't think my attitude was all that great i wasn't excited about the two-hour drive to phoenix and i ended up at the wrong place I couldn't call, I, you know, there was no way to call. I didn't, I don't even think I brought her number with me. They even stopped at a, at a payphone. And when I finally got to dinner, I was two hours late. I hate getting, at, get, getting to the wrong destination. Now, a similar thing happened just a few weeks ago. I had a, a, some meetings in, in Denver. And uh, the place we were going was an address with a five-digit number. Somehow, we took our GPS and inadvertently plugged in only four of the numbers. Now, think about what we did. I mean, this is a difference of 1,000. A difference of 1,000 in an address is a difference of about 10 miles in Denver, right? It turned out that it was more like 12 miles in and why do these things always happen in rush hour? <laughs> I thought I was going to be early to my meeting, and guess what? I came walking in way late. I hate ending up at the wrong destination. Okay, so I have to tell you one more, and I know I tell this one on, from time to time, but it just fits too perfectly here, and I see my buddy Kent over here doing this number because he's walked with me too long right next to that st louis cardinal hat over there man go rockies last night and next friday the the cardinals go down <laughs> i'm gonna be there and ken's gonna be with me and so is terry right yeah all right so uh, so anyway we're going to the durango silverton railroad you know uh, the, the girls are small we want to do this we're on a family vacation we want to see colorado and and we're doing pretty well the gps is keeping us in the right lane as we're approaching the terminal here. And you get there, and it's very busy at the terminal. I think there's four lanes at least of one-way traffic. It's keeping us in the right lane, but, but the problem is the parking lot's over in the left lane. 
okay? So here we are, we're approaching the terminal when I see the parking lot, and I'm like, oh man, I guess I'm going to have to drive around the block, make sure I remain in the left lane in order to get to the parking lot. So here we are. We are on a one-way street. So I turn left onto another one-way street. And then I turn left onto one more one-way street. When I make a tragic error, I assume the next one must be a one-way also. But it's not. It's a two-way, and we're driving straight into oncoming traffic. <laughs> see, this is why, see, there he goes again. See, yeah, there he is, kind of hiding his face. This is why people who know me don't let me drive. <laughs> but the thing I'll always remember about that, that mistake is, is my little girl, Chloe, when she said, Dad, you can never say anything again about the tourists in Estes Park. <laughs> oh, dear. I hate going in the wrong direction. I really hate winding up at the wrong direction. And as bad as that might be on a road trip, now think about this. Wouldn't it be terrible to live your entire life thinking you're on the right road. I mean, the right road, the road that leads to, to life, the, ro the road that leads to eternal life, the road that leads to God, only to come to the end and find that you've been heading in the wrong direction. Wow. So in that, we see these two major themes in Hebrews 13 that, that, that we've been building on. Make sure that you don't miss out on God's great grace. Make sure you're coming to the mountain of joy and make sure that you're showing that same grace to the people around you. Receive grace, give grace. Grace coming in, grace going out. Just as simple as, as that. And it's all built upon this amazing promise. Your spiritual leaders, you've seen them walk in it. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He always has been. He always will be about giving grace. He always has been and will be about equipping us with grace in order that we might become instruments of that same grace. And so right here I'm studying, I'm praying, and I'm thinking, and I'm reminded of our mission statement. And I'm reminded of some of the things that God has been putting on us lately. And I'm thinking about when Jesus called his disciples. He said, follow me. This is about one Lord. It's about us learning to walk with him, about learning to walk in grace. Follow me and I will make you. This is about one team, us together becoming instruments of that same grace. I mean, if you want to know what some of it about, this is the first two. Follow me, us enjoying him, his favor, his grace. And I will make you, us becoming instruments of that same grace. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's one mission. That's about us sharing that same grace with the people around us who desperately need to, to know about it. So in that, we at Summit are called to these three things. One Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's our destination. That's our purpose. It's us reminding each other. Are we coming to the mountain of grace? Are we coming together? One team, by this will all people know that you really are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
And so it's about us together learning to walk in that grace and experience that grace together in order that we might be equipped to do the work that he's calling us to. And then this business of one mission. Yeah, the first command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like it. And if you understand Scripture in all its context, then you know that what it's really saying here is there's only one way you will ever prove the love for God that you claim to have, and it's found in this second command. And what is that second command? Love your neighbor as yourself. And who's your neighbor? Well, it's that person you might not want to associate with. It's those Muslims that might be next to you. Uh, you know, as you're driving on a bus on, uh, and, and in the 16th Street Mall downtown or, or those homeless people that seem so dirty or whatever. It's those people you wouldn't typically want to be around, your neighbor. I mean, that's the kind of expressions that God gives us. And these are the kind of priorities that we've seen all through Hebrews 13, okay? It's about, and I created this image that I think will help us here. It's, it's about a vertical connection that has horizontal effects. Receive grace, give grace. Receive grace, give grace. Receive grace, give grace. Receive grace, give grace. That's what it's all about. That's that's what this whole message needs to be about today. Receive grace, give grace. Can you think about someone who did something for you at some point in your life Something that you can never repay. Honestly, think about it. Can you think of someone that did something for you, gave something? Yes, good, good. You're still thinking about it. That, that you can never repay. That, that you can never repay. John Bunyan. You, do you know that name, John Bunyan? Probably best known for Pil- Pilgrim's Progress, right? He said, you have not lived until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. And that's what Jesus did for you and me. Jesus did for us what we can never repay. I think most of you uh, know the name, the Davidson family, and you know the investment that they gave me. I mean, an example of that was when I bought my first car. Mr. Davidson, smart man, chem physicist, U of A, he took time to go with me to buy my first car. And when we saw the car, he thought it was fine. There was a small oil leak, but he didn't think it was a big deal. Well, we got the, the car home and realized it was a big deal. It was a, a, a warp, warped pin on the crankshaft. And you know what Mr. Davidson did? Along with his, his son, my buddy Pete, they helped me rebuild the engine in their backyard. Yeah, we, we rebuilt it on dirt ground, Tucson dirt ground we rebuilt the engine yeah right i mean they gave me valuable time they gave me valuable information but mostly they helped me to establish my life of faith and so then you know god is beginning to lead me and stir me to go away and go into ministry and i i had the sense that i wouldn't be seeing them much anymore and and in one of those sentimental moments i just said to them i had them both together pete and his dad and i said what can i ever do to repay you guys for what you did for me And the response was, Mikey, we don't want you to repay us, but our hope is that maybe someday you will have the opportunity to do the same thing for somebody else. That's all we ask, right? Now watch this. 
Psalm 116, verse 12. What's the question asked here? Look at it. How will I ever repay God for the goodness he has shown to me? <laughs> and Jesus answered, he said, freely you have received, freely give. God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, I come to you to share his love as he told me to. He said, freely, freely, you have received, freely, freely give. Go in my name, and because you believe, others will know that I am. Or I live. Which is it? <laughs> live. Okay, good. Yeah, see, we can never repay God, but we can share what he's given to us. So I hope when you came in today that all of you received this little piece of paper that has one word on it. It's the word grace. Did you get that? Did anybody not get the word grace? Anybody not get one of these? The word grace? Okay, now I, I want you to just look at that, and I want you to see that everybody in the room today has been given a little grace. <laughs> yep, you've all been given a little grace, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to give it away, making sure everybody has one. Give it away. You receive grace, now give it away. Receive grace, give grace. Receive grace, give grace. Receive grace, give grace. Okay, so now we're going to build forward, and we're going to look at verse 9. We're going to look at the rest of the context here. And verse 9 tells us exactly where I, I started, where we started talking this morning. It tells us, verse 9 tells us to make sure that we don't wind up in the wrong direction. Okay, and I want you to notice what happens here. It says, do not carry, get carried away, do not be carried away with all kinds of strange teaching. Okay, then notice it goes right back to grace. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by, what's the word? Grace, grace right? And so right there, we are given two examples of things that can knock us off course. One has to do with those things that we are told we should eat and shouldn't eat. It's about law, okay? One of the favorite things in the world is food. Disagree? Oh, okay, good. One of the favorite things in the world is food, right? And one of the favorite things religious people love to do is take food away from us, right? It's law right there, right? Don't get knocked off course by law, okay? The other has to do with some sacrifice that we think we have to make in order to add to the perfect sacrifice that God has already made for us. Some sacrifice that we need to add to the perfect sacrifice that was already offered. And what these things are, they're simply 
examples of the kinds of things that can knock us off course, that can steer us in the wrong direction. And then I want you to notice it gives us three sacrifices that we are to be about. Now, all of these build off where this premise that we've been talking about, our mission, one Lord, verse 13 through 14, has to do with a sacrifice of humility. See it? Verse 15 has to do with a sacrifice of praise. Verse 16 has to do with a sacrifice of of sharing. Okay, so what I want to do now is I want to spend the majority of our time this morning talking about this business of a sacrifice of praise. But quickly, let's just look at these other two because they're valuable, okay? So one Lord, a sacrifice of humility. Look at these verses, verse 13. Let us then go to him, go to Jesus, outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore, for here, for here on this earth, in this time, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come. Okay, so Jesus, the place of Jesus' suffering was outside the camp, outside the city walls. Okay, that's where it was. This was considered the unclean place. This is the place where all the waste was disposed of. Not just waste, but literally Human bodies, the bodies of people who could not adequately afford a proper funeral. All of it was thrown outside the city, constantly fires burning in order to destroy the waste, the unclean place. And God, Jesus, calls us to that very place. Go out to the unclean place. We like it safe. We like it, you know, kind of sanctified, right? He says, go to the unclean place. And if in the unclean place you suffer disgrace for my namesake, then it's okay because you don't live for this place. You live for an eternal place. So a couple of weeks ago, Valerie and I were uh, celebrating our wedding anniversary. 33 amazing years, right? Yeah, yeah, very good. Very good. So we decided to hang out downtown Denver. And downtown Denver is this huge irony. I mean, it's almost an image of William Booth and his vision. And I talk about that from time to time. Because, you know, you have these people that are enjoying these amazing dinners. And they're paying more money than they should. And and it's all good, right? But right next to them, you have all these desperate homeless people on the streets. And it just gets kind of annoying. Like, am I supposed to help them? What am I supposed to do? And it it just kind of feels unclean. And then right in the midst of that, you've got these preachers with amplifiers. Now, imagine yourself trying to enjoy a nice dinner downtown Denver, right? And here's these preachers with microphones saying, you think you have life, but you're deceived. This isn't life. You can, you know, you can see what I'm talking about, right? And so I was thinking, man, this is crazy. This is annoying. And then all of a sudden, it was like the Holy Spirit just convicted me and said, do you think this is how Noah felt when he was building that ark? He was ridiculed. And I said to Valerie, wow, God just spoke to me. Like, does this remind you? And she said, I had the same thought. And so these guys, I mean, Noah, he was urgent in building the ark because he knew a flood was coming and these guys must be urgent in what they're doing knowing jesus is coming and they want to do everything they can 
to get people ready. And Jesus calls us, go out into the unclean place. We only live in this world a short time. And if we suffer disgrace for doing God's work in this place that's only temporary, it's okay because we serve one Lord. It's a sacrifice of humility going to the, to the 1040 window. Oh my goodness. Thank you guys. Thanks for the obedience there. And then this one mission, the sacrifice of sharing, it's, it just simply says, verse 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such, what's that word? Sacrifice, see, sacrifice of sharing, God is pleased. And I think that says it really well, sacrifice of sharing. So let's go on to this one team, the sacrifice of praise. Look at the scriptures here, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. And, and what this is about, this is about us living in awe of the living God, right? Letting our hearts be stirred in his presence. Priority number one, one Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and Jesus added the word, in all, all your strength. Yes, we need to care for the poor and respond to those who are desperate. Yes, we need to equip the church, the body, to do the work of the ministry. Yes, we believe in that. Yes, we believe in missions. We believe in sending people. Yes, we believe in reaching out to those who are far from God and desperately needing to know God. But it all gets kind of programmy if we lose our sense of God's presence and if we lose the awe and splendor of his great goodness. So here we are talking a lot about God's great grace this morning. Have you ever been awed by God's great grace? And I was watching some of your faces as I was talking about God's goodness. How will I ever repay the Lord for the good things he's done for you? And some of you are like, yes, I, I so relate to that. You know, we live in this incredible place, Estes Park, Colorado, gateway to Rocky Mountain National Park. Have you ever lost the awe of mountain splendor? Have you ever kind of pinched yourself and said, I hope I never take it for granted? <laughs> Have you ever had a tourist ask you, do you ever get tired of it? And then think about worship. Do you ever lose your sense of awe for a holy God? Does worship sometimes just become same old, same old? Because if it does, that's not worship, that's law. Because anything we think we're doing for God that isn't sustained by the wonder and the presence of God is just another action of the flesh. And so priority number one around here, love God. Let your heart be stirred with awe of his great goodness. And notice God calls us to offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips fruit is something that that na grows naturally when the limbs are receiving what they need from the tree's core the opposite jesus said is this these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me it's like superficial worship it's like the motions like jamie's saying going to a church that's that's dead that that there's no heartbeat there's no pulse there but true worship the fruit of our lips, the natural outgrowth of a greater thing that God is stirring in us. 
And it says lips. Did you notice? It doesn't just say heart. It doesn't just say thoughts. It says lips. And you and I, we are literally created as instruments of praise. (laughs) We are. We're given a source of, of wind. These lungs, right, that are able to hit vocal cords that vibrate and produce sounds. And these mouths that some project better than others. Instruments of praise. Oh, rhythm, rhythm. Feet, hands, we're given all this stuff. And banners to wave, to wave, to wave before God. We are literally created to be instruments of God, real sounds, real words. And did you notice the word continually? Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips. Don't stop. In other words, regardless of what life throws at you, please don't forget to keep your eyes on the one who's above it all. Yeah. Yeah. Someone asked me Friday how I'm doing. I said, oh, man. I said, but God's still on the throne, and he's still good. (laughs) And we can't ever forget that, never forget the great grace that he shows and extends despite ourselves. And though we can never overpraise God, continually doesn't mean that we have to end every sentence with, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, amen, brother, thank you, yeah, glory, glory, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Um, But it does mean we should praise him and not give up praising him stop in the middle of what you're facing and see him still on the throne so this becomes the priority of our our weekend gatherings it's crucial in, in the life of the church we come expectantly come expecting god to meet with us and i believe the presence of god can be so real in our worship gatherings that a non-believer coming in the door is overwhelmed by the presence of God and is captured and and drawn to him. Without even a word preached, people coming to the Lord. Let me give you some examples. Right now today, Omaha, Nebraska, there's a young man preaching. He's planning a church. Wasn't all that long ago, he was a drug dealer. And his story is he walked into a church where people were worshiping and God knocked him down and got a hold of his heart and delivered him. Yeah, Monty and his wife. Yes, and his wife says, pray for us about everything. Yeah. I had the opportunity of visiting a youth group with Valerie. We went to see this youth group where God was just moving in a powerful way. We're talking... 1,500 students every Wednesday night. They were impacting their campuses. Uh, The church bought them 40 huge buses just to bring teenagers to these gatherings. And, And this one night, this one kid was just tired of all these Christians. And he thought the way to handle it would be to show up at the Wednesday night youth meeting with a gun and kill the youth pastor. And when he walked in the room, all those kids were worshiping hands in the air, giving glory to God. The presence of God was so real and so thick that that kid was knocked to the ground, dropped his weapon, and gave his life to Jesus Christ. 
See, see that's what I believe for, and that's what I, that's what I, I try, to, try to lead for. And, and there are those of you in this room who would say, you know, what got me the most about believers and, and faith, it was walking into a gathering and hearing them proclaim his goodness. Yeah, the presence of God in our worship. Imagine us joining with the hosts of heaven, a great choir, us together singing with angels before the Father with all our hearts, proclaiming his goodness. Imagine us proclaiming the awe and wonder of his splendor and goodness and of his great grace. And here we are doing that together. Imagine that happening right here. In fact, it's described for us. Listen to it. Then I looked. And I heard a voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands or 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and forever. Yeah, give glory to God. And so the scripture says, Jesus isn't changing what he was then. He is now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, still giving grace in order that we might have grace to give away. Oh yeah, there's one more verse in this text, and I'm just going to read it. Listen to it. Verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. That's the word of God. Praise God. I'm trying not to clap here because I listen to the recordings of the services and that's all I hear is me clapping, you know. If I look like a walrus, you know, that's why. Let's just stop a moment, and we, we do like to end each teaching with one simple prayer, and that's you before the Father, you know, considering, Father God, why'd you bring me here this morning? What is it you're wanting me to hear? And how would you have me to respond? And maybe today you don't know him. And today you're being called to turn around. And the whole thing is you've been going your own independent way. And suddenly you're realizing that you need to come home. And you hear the Spirit saying, let him who will come. 